over the past few weeks here at Bravehearts, Pastor Curtis has spoken about the heart of a father and really what it means to be a son. This morning, we're going to talk about the father gap. What happens when we don't have a father or we have a father that doesn't properly take on his role? What happens in that father gap? And I, I want to start out, I actually want to give a disclaimer here this morning. When I, when I talk about fathers falling short, I'm not after you today if you've fallen short in some small way because we all have. I'm not even after you if you've fallen short in some gigantic way. I would simply say that today is the right day to start doing the right things. If your kids are five years old or 50 years old, today's the right day to do the right things. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think it's very important that we know we are loved in our youth. We need to know that someone adores us. Boys need a father. They need a father that can love them like no other. <clears throat> Excuse me, y'all and show them the right way to be a man. It's important that not be cut short, assaulted, unfinished, or stolen in any way. We were designed to experience belovedness and boyhood, soak it in for years, learn its lessons, have them written upon our hearts, and then pass through this stage to the next, carrying all its treasures with us. We were meant to move on with the help of our fathers into the next stage of manhood, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, there's multiple reasons we might have grown up without a father or with a father that didn't properly accept his role. I think many men grow up with a father that is very strong in some areas, but maybe failed in just a few areas or in some others. There are more and more homes where children have no father, though. Starting in the 60s, the state began, especially in the inner cities, to promote social policies that removed fathers from the home. The welfare state has been terrible for the family unit. Drugs take many fathers out of the home. Alcohol takes many good years from many good men. Some of you may have had a wonderful father, but he passed on too soon. What I'd like to drive home today, though, is that many of us, maybe most of us here, have some sort of a father wound. Something we picked up on from a father that wired us to have an undesirable trait. Some men turn to women to fill that gap, some to drugs, some to anger or pride, or any of the other many vices. There are many symptoms that come from the father gap. Most of these symptoms, symptoms can be explained with the words pride, anger, lust, addiction, laziness, and lack of desire for growth. One other problem is that some men choose to stay stuck where they are. They choose to continue to blame their past. So a little about my life growing up, my father gap. I was born when my mother was 14. She was actually pregnant at 13. And I, I didn't have a father to this day. I don't know his name. The first time I had a father figure was when I was three years old. That man was a very angry and violent man. He was very physically and mentally abusive. He was a drug addict and an alcoholic. He, he grew up seeing the anger of his father and he simply continued that on through his lineage. At a very young age, I saw him beat our dog to death with an axe handle. That, that kitchen was covered in blood. It looked like a crime scene. I had my head put through the wall quite a few times and was regularly beaten. Often he'd lock me in my bedroom when my mom wasn't home. At times, I could actually hear him with other women. Once I was locked in the room for so long that I finally had to go to the bathroom so bad that I went on the floor. When he figured that out, I got one of the worst beatings I ever received. When I was in the fifth grade, my mom got up the courage to get away from him. One day during the school day, we moved out of the house while he was gone. That day is really etched in my mind. I can replay almost that whole day through. 
it was hard work. I was a fifth grader, and I can remember lifting dressers and other heavy household items. But I remember feeling like things would be different now. After that, there were other men in and out of our lives, in and out of our lives, and I was moved around to live with different people because my mother wasn't always able to take care of me. When I was in high school, my behavior really started to go downhill. And looking back now, I think it had a lot to do with not having a good father figure growing up. I was into all sorts of things that I shouldn't have been. I didn't know how to be a man. I had improper views of how a man should behave. I acted out in violence a lot, and I felt like no one understood me. I believed the entire world was against me and that I was the only one that would ever do anything for me. From a young age, though, I knew I didn't want to be like that abusive man. I, I knew I would do better. As I moved into early adulthood, I joined the Marine Corps. I began to realize that I needed better tools to work with. I knew a lot about what I didn't want to be, but I still didn't know much about what I did want to be. That's just a little about me. There's a lot more to my story that we really don't have time to go into, and honestly, we don't need to. I want to move forward to what I consider most important. I, I think it's great to look back into our past and learn from it. I think it's important to understand why we act and react the ways we do. And I think it's necessary that we heal. But most importantly, I think it's vital that we be a chain breaker. There comes a time as men that we need to shed the skin we grew up in and become what God intended for us to be. We can learn from our past, both the negative and positive parts. And along the way, God has blessed me with a few spiritual fathers through my life, men that have given of their most precious resource, their time. Those spiritual fathers have and continue to teach me things about life that would be very difficult to learn on my own. The thing about a spiritual father is there has to be men willing to take on that role. But you have to be willing to accept that discipleship when God places that spiritual father in your path. Those that have taken on that role in my in my life as a spiritual father have given their time to disciple me and that has really greatly impacted my life their obedience to their calling allowed me to be blessed and grown it's a gift from God for me and them don't miss a blessing or a lesson by being too hard-headed to engage in life with good men doing life together with good men is one of the greatest blessings we receive we aren't meant to figure out life on our own God wants to father us the truth is, he's been fathering us for a long time. Maybe some of us just haven't noticed it yet or are just beginning to notice it. He wants to father us much more intimately, but we have to be in a mindset to receive it. What that involves is a new way of seeing, a fundamental reorientation of how we look at life and our own personal situation. So how do we get into the mindset where we can receive? First, I think we have to agree that we are unfinished men. We're, we're partial men. In many ways, we may yet be boys inside. Second, we need to turn from our independence in all of the ways we shrink from life or charge into it too quickly. It may be one of the most basic ways we repent, meaning many of us base life on the false belief that God, for the most part, doesn't show up very often. The truth is, that's a faithless direction to follow. I've been there. We must be willing to take the risk to open our hearts to the possibility that God is leading us. Most likely, God is using the very things in which we thought he'd abandoned us in. When we step out in that faith, we open ourselves up to being fathered by God. When we are fathered by God, we can be better fathers to our children or to our spiritual children. We can be better friends, husbands, brothers, and sons. Be in community with other good men. If you study God's kingdom and his word, 
one thing you begin to notice is that God allows us to steward his kingdom. In Genesis 1, 26 through 31, we learn that God created man in his image, and he allowed man to steward his kingdom. We need to be discipled, and we need to disciple others so that we can properly steward what God has placed before us. The world needs Christian men to stand up. So I know we have at least a few long-range shooters in here, and I want to talk just a little bit about long-range shooting. A lot of people have heard of a 6.5 Creedmoor, so I'm going to use it as an example. At 1,000 yards, a 6.5 Creedmoor using a good projectile and moving at an average velocity will drop about 310 inches. Basically, that means that if you're zeroed at 100 yards and you don't make any adjustment, you'd hit about 310 inches below the target at 1,000 yards. Really, what you'd see is you'd hit the dirt long before it got there, right? That sounds like a lot of drop, but it's not bad, really, because we can figure that, out, that amount out fairly easily these days and adjust for it. It's easy to adjust for. But here's where it gets interesting to me. At 1,000 yards, if you have a little mild 10-mile-per-hour breeze, you could be off target by as much as 66 inches to the left or right. Often when you shoot around here, we're lucky to just have that low 10 miles per hour, right? That's, that's not much wind here. You might be asking yourself why I'm explaining that and why we can, why can we be so easy? Why does it matter that we could be off by five and a half feet to the left or right at a thousand yards? And I'm going to try to explain. It's a topic that comes up in long range shooting when we discuss wind. Sometimes we ponder on why the projectile or where the projectile is most affected by wind. Some folks say it's most affected right as it leaves the barrel because that small deflection from the wind grows so much bigger by the time you get to a thousand yards. Others are gonna say it's most effective at further distances downrange but because the projectile has slowed way down. And when it's slowed down, the wind can push it more easily. So what's the answer? In my opinion, they're both right. So we have to learn all of it, right? You have to learn to look out at the land and see if there's an area where there's an updraft that will really alter the flight path. You have to learn to read vegetation and mirage so you can see where the wind changes direction. It's common to have three different wind calls before you get to 1,000 yards, meaning the wind is moving in three different directions. Have you ever found yourself being pushed in three different directions? If we don't choose properly and prioritize our lives, then outside forces will always choose for us. Things will come up that we can't control. But when the choice is ours, we need to prioritize properly. So, so what's my point in talking about the wind? Like me, some of you may have been pushed off course early on as a young boy. Those weren't things we could change then. As I moved into adulthood, though, I began to cause a lot of my own consequences. I began to push myself off course, just like the land features and switchy wind will push a projectile off course further down path. We often want to blame others or blame the adversary, but the truth is, in my life, most of the things that have been messed up are due to the consequences of my choices, not outside forces. So here are some practical things you can do to strive towards breaking chains. Four practical points. First and most importantly, we follow Christ. We want to strive towards holiness. We aren't meant to stay where we are. We need to apply what we learn from God. I think in this room here, most of us would say that we follow Christ, but do we really take up that cross daily? The second point is to seek wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Read God's word and actively seek out his wisdom. Speak with spiritual fathers in the church. Read good books that teach the skills you need. Join focus groups here at Harvest. Harvest. If you're dealing with an addiction, show up to our connection recovery group. 
If you need more family skills, sign up for our blended families classes and watch for our Ron Deal event coming this fall. If you're watching pornography or living a lustful life, show up at our Connection Conquer class that Buck's leading. Keep showing up at Bravehearts, and every one of us should be in a life group. Remember that hurt people hurt people. We must heal properly and grow consistently, break chains. Here's the thing. If you're battling something, you owe it to yourself and your family to battle towards holiness and not just accept that sin. Learn that grace, God's ability, doesn't only mean forgiveness. Connect upward. Grace also means you're empowered to walk in freedom and break chains. Connect inward. Often to break chains, we need help in a very specific area. And here at Connection, we have ministries to help you break chains and grow. Learn to be thankful. We have plenty of ways here at Connection for you to empty yourself out in service to others so that you can be properly filled with good things with God's word. Connect outward. The third point is to take action and persist without exception. Most likely in three to four generations, no one will remember me. They won't remember my name. Meaning, if I live long enough, I might get to know my great-grandchildren, but beyond that, it's pretty unlikely that anyone will remember me. I'm okay with that. My point is that we should persist without exception, but we have to make sure that our persistence is aimed at the right target. I'm going to continue to lead my family to the Lord, and I know that leading them to the Lord is how I can best affect my family, the upcoming generations. If I can pass along proper discipleship to my children, I don't have to worry about who will or will not remember me or my name. I've heard Pastor Curtis say something to the effect that we don't want to spend all of our time climbing the ladder of success to find out that ladder was leaned against the wrong wall or standing on the wrong foundation. Persist without exception. What's really important in life? Often as men, we like to speak about how we'd die for our wives or our family. It's heroic. It's good. We would certainly do everything possible to protect our families, to include losing our lives if necessary. But to me, that can be the wrong thought if it's our only thought. We need to decide to live for our families, make the everyday sacrifices that will better our families. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that, after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Men, we need to get off the internet, turn off the TV, and put down the toys long enough to put in the work to lead our families to the Lord. Daily. Last week, Pastor Curtis summed it up in this really great way. Everybody wants to die nobly for a cause, but God wants us to live humbly for his cause. The third point is to be a decided man. Live life on purpose. Make up your mind about what you want to be and how to be that man. Do it. Be decided. You are a man of God. You are a disciple. Decide to be discipled and to disciple those coming up behind you. There is no out, no other answer. You are a man of God, and every day you will take the steps necessary to grow in your walk and lead others to growth in Christ. Be a decided man. Isaiah 57. For the Lord God helps me. I am not disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know 
that I will not be ashamed. The fourth point is that it's time to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive your father. Maybe you're sitting out there right now thinking that I must not understand if I'm willing to stand up here and tell you to forgive him. There's no way I could understand how your father wronged you if I'm telling you to forgive him. Listen, I'm, I'm actually not telling you to forget. I believe in healthy boundaries. I am telling you that you do need to forgive, though. If you don't hear me say anything else today, I hope you hear me say that forgiveness is vital. Maybe you need to spend some time in prayer asking God to show you what you aren't even considering. Maybe there are wounds there that need to be healed from your past, but you haven't asked God to show them to you and help you through them yet. I'm not just talking about you forgiving your father or anyone else, though. I'm talking about you forgiving yourself. You need to dig really deep, speak with the Lord, and forgive yourself. Whatever you have done wrong is in the past, and it's time to forgive yourself and move forwards. Now, that's not easy to do. Our adversary uses a very powerful tool against us when we live in shame. We need to listen to Jesus about who and whose we really are. We need to stop doing the things that bring us shame, and we need to be in good relationship with our brothers in Christ to help us grow. This doesn't mean the consequences will go away, of course. It just means that you need to forgive yourself in the proper ways so that you can begin to walk in freedom as opposed to living in slavery. Seek forgiveness for yourself and for those who have wronged you. Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We'll accomplish nothing on our own, but through Christ we'll grow, and chains can truly be broken. One thing Jesus offers is forgiveness, right? Made available to us through his sacrifice on the cross. The forgiveness that was made available to each of us so that we might come home to the Father. Forgiveness, though, is not the only goal. Coming home to the Father is another. A man who calls himself a Christian attends church and only has some hope of heaven when he dies has not received the lion's share of what God intended him to receive through the work of Christ. He's not yet walking through life as a son of God. He'll find himself living still, very much alone, stuck in his journey, wondering why he cannot become the man he longs to be. He has not yet come into sonship. Consider the prodigal son in Luke 15, one of many parables Jesus told to try to get it into our hearts where we stand with the father and how he feels about us. Yes, the prodigal went AWOL and he ran off to Vegas with a family fortune and blew it all on cheap women and high-stakes poker. And yes, some men have done the same, more or less, and in many cases, much more than less. But that's not the point of the parable. The parable is not primarily about the prodigal. It's about the father's heart. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is the kind of heavenly father you have. That is how he feels about you. Just a little more about shooting in the wind. Around here, there's always wind, right? And it changes direction and velocity often. Likewise, we'll find out in life that outside forces can easily change directions on us pretty quickly. Our area here seems to produce a lot of excellent long-range shooters. I used to think it was odd that we had so many good shooters in our area. Once when I was at a big match in Oklahoma, we had really heavy winds that switched directions a lot. <clears throat> 
I heard a few guys that had flown in from the East Coast talking about the wind. They, they were just in discussion saying they couldn't make a good wind call. They just weren't used to the wind, and they didn't know how to adjust for it. The guys that shoot in the wind all the time had a real advantage because they were practicing. They were practiced at calling wind. We have a lot of good shooters because they are more practiced at one of the hardest parts of long-range shooting, calling the wind. There's a lot of days that we would all prefer there be no wind. Just like most of us here would prefer to not have adversity in life. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we should ask for bad things to happen. What I am saying is that we don't have to be sorry for the hard parts of our lives. We can learn from them and be better prepared for what lies ahead. We can use that knowledge to help our brothers. We don't have to live in a way that keeps us in our past. We can learn from it and break chains. See, sometimes we have to take a look at the field and collect all the information we can. Then we take a shot. Once we take that shot, we want to watch that shot and see where it lands. Did it miss the target by two feet to the left at 1,000 yards? Well, now I know I need to adjust back to the right by those same two feet, right? Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes it takes a lot of faith for us to take that shot. Sometimes we need other good men watching out for us. Maybe we didn't see where the shot landed, but our spotter did. Another good man did. And he can give us the correction we need. Sometimes when we were off target, we need another good man to tell us in life. If we don't watch where the shot lands, we can't make a proper correction. We have to live life on purpose. So where is God in my example about the wind? For me, he's the foundation. We have to be in a good shooting position so we're stable to take a long-range shot. If we don't have a good foundation, then understanding the wind and knowing how far the bullet will drop really doesn't matter. For me, to have that foundation in life, I have to be in the Word. I have to be connected to other good men. I have to be willing to allow others to speak into my life, to do life together. Otherwise, the wind really does easily push me off course. When we begin our journey into sonship, we begin our journey into sonship by looking backward, what our lives as boys were like, and more important, what they were meant to be. For so much of the way we now approach life as men was set in motion in our youth. Some of it for good, and some not so good. We want to recover what was good and find healing for all that was not. Accept God's grace and grow and disciple others in the church. Be a spiritual father. We may not have all had a good earthly father, but we all have our perfect heavenly father. We may, we may not have all been the best earthly father so far, but we can accept that we are a son, a son of the most high God. And once we accept that we are a son, we can begin to be the men we should be. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I, I thank you for these men being here this morning. Lord, I'd, I'd ask you for uh, to, you to continue to grow us here at Brave Hearts, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for these strong men that are willing to get up a little earlier to learn to be a better disciple to others. Lord, my big ask, the big thing I'd like for us, Lord, is that we be men of action. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.